0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast called The Virtual CISO Chronicles. In this podcast, I will interview a virtual CISO to talk about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, a software platform exclusively for virtual CISOs. These CISOs are cybersecurity professionals who consult with with companies to build cybersecurity programs. To tell you a little bit more about myself, I have over 22 years of experience as a startup lawyer and I like to think of myself as an advocate, especially in the fields of data privacy and cybersecurity. But I grew up in an entrepreneurial home, and I absolutely love listening to people's stories. So I started this podcast to feature people who are working hard in cybersecurity to make the world a better place. Our guest today is Daniel Meisler. Thank you so much for joining me, Daniel, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Uh, I, I've been following you for quite a few years now, um, but for our audience, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? And if you can throw in some stuff that's non-security related, please do so.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been in security since uh, 1999 and uh, I've done lots of different things throughout that time. I've spent some time at Apple and IO Active and Robinhood and a bunch of cool companies. And I've consulted for like hundreds of others Um, And the focus has mostly been on uh, offensive security. So like um, pen testing, red teaming, uh, security assessment of different types. And um, as of about five or six months ago, I'm now working sort of at the intersection of AI and security. I kind of went full into that and uh, doing my own independent thing now. As far as like things that aren't security... um, I play a lot of table tennis. I read a lot of books. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of a nerd.
0: Oh, great! Well, I mean, so many. Now you've opened up a bunch of new questions, but let's focus on what you're doing right now. So you said about five or six months ago, intersection of AI and cybersecurity. Why did that pique your interest, and then how did you make a decision to just put your full time effort into it?
1: Yeah, um, so I've been interested in AI for quite some time. I've been writing about it, like really interested for, I want to say like seven years or so. Um, I was part of an AI team at Apple uh, for for a while there. And um, I did a deep dive on that. I I guess that would have been around 2017 or so. Um, I went and studied um, all of uh, Andrew Ng's videos which is a he had a giant course on, on YouTube. So I went and did all the math and uh, learned what was called machine learning at the time. And I uh, just did a deep dive there and I was super excited about it, but it was very hard to do anything with because the libraries are really, really difficult. Um, they kind of kludgy. Um, So all your time wasn't spent on solving the problem. It was spent on like the plumbing of like getting data into a system and stuff like that. So that was a bit Mm -hmm. of a turnoff. But when this generative AI thing started based on transformers, that's when it became tangible. So I always have like a million different problems in my head that I wish I could solve. Um, Because I I like to automate things. I, I like having repeated tasks be automated and ha- have things be pipelines instead of like one-offs. So um, mm-hmm. I'm now taking all these problems that I have and turning them into pipelines and automating them with AI. And because I do so much consulting it, and, you know, as you will know, part of the VCSO thing is you're just seeing everyone's problems all the time. Yep. And like, I'm doing one-off solutions to solve these things and you could build frameworks or, or documentation or whatever, but Ultimately, um, you you end up wishing that you could just uh, rinse and repeat with some of this stuff um, and just mm-hmm. use all your time on your creativity and not on reproducing templates and that, that sort of thing. So I, I'm just really excited to be using this AI tech to solve a lot of the uh, security problems that I've been solving for whatever, 15 years.
0: Um, you've been solving security problems which when you gave your background, you talked about being on the offensive side and a pen tester, but I'm picking up that you are also a developer. Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. So you are actively coding and creating systems for your clients, customers. One thing I wanna sort of backtrack in what you just said so that we can explain it to the audience as you said, that you became excited about this because Gen AI is based on transformers. Can you explain to our audience what that exact phrase means?
1: Sure. Yeah. So so there's a whole bunch of like previous versions of ML. Actually, that I think this started like in the 60s, actually. Mm-hmm. And there was like expert systems, and there's it's basically people grasping at straws, trying to go in a direction that gets you to human intelligence or beyond. Right. And and then they would be these doors and they would open them, they would spend you know years or decades walking down that hallway only to find out it was a brick wall at the end. So we've opened all these various doors um, and somebody at Google, I believe this was a paper came out in 2017. It was called Attention is all You Need And this paper established what's called a transformer. And transformer is just a machine learning model. but what it is is it's uh, kind of a universal or a general, learner um and, and it specifically it generates tokens so um if you give it a th- a set of things it'll predict the next iteration uh, that should come out of that set um so it's really good at writing stories and stuff like that turns out if you give it a whole lot of russian literature um and then you ask it about the nature of reality it could tell you about the nature of reality because russians talk a lot about human nature and stuff like that so mm-hmm. It um it somehow, and this is the, the joy of emergence in technology, it somehow goes from complete the next word to the wisdom of human knowledge. And the architecture for that is called a transformer.
0: Thank you for that. I think that is very helpful in, in terms of setting the stage for this discussion. And then you you mentioned how it was specifically generative AI. So right now, I think it's very popular to think of generative AI in terms of chat GPT. It sort of blew up our imaginations uh, with the possibility of what this type of technology can do. Um, But it sounds to me like you have been in this arena for such a long time that perhaps that was not what spurred you into wanting to start building pipelines um, so what is it specifically about, or what, maybe take us, through, you said you were focused on risk assessments. What's What sort of pipelines are you building and how is it a generative AI type of supported pipeline?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I have a newsletter. That, that's one thing that I do every week. And, that, and that's kind of like a pipeline, right? You have to collect stories. Mm-hmm. You have to read the stories. You have to parse out what's interesting in them. You have to collate them uh, for your team to review, um, spell check, all those sorts of things. And each one of those items there is like multiple manual steps. That's the type of thing that I think of as a pipeline. Like I would like to just like gesture towards a thing and suddenly it's over here in the review section for the team to look at. Um and it's now i could go there the link is already expanded any social titles for the person who wrote it is already there um and now i could just be creative about hey this is a really interesting idea like uh, we should reach out to this person talk to them oh i wonder how this interacts with that like that's what i should be doing but instead mm-hmm. i'm not doing that i'm copying and i'm pasting i'm proofreading i'm doing all these things so I, the way i think about this is imagine um the world, whatever, some sort of utopia in 50 years where we have super advanced AGI. What are humans doing um, and what are machines doing? And and hopefully the answer is, or, or my answer is, humans are doing only that creative part, only that human-to-human interaction part. Um, we're, we're not doing this copying and pasting and dragging and dropping and reviewing and collating. We're not doing any of that. So I'm trying to get to that as quickly as possible by building that right now. So what I've built is a a set of APIs that are like 25 or so. Um, I've got a proofread one, I've got a collect one, I've got a collate one, I've got a prioritize one, I've got a summarization one. Um, All those different things that I do manually, I can now do in an automated way and I could stack these commands together into workflows. Um, so it's I'm just uh, yeah, it's it's really powerful. And then I could then go to my customers and do the same thing for them.
0: I love this example because it is something that everyone can relate to. I think in cybersecurity, we sometimes lose our audience simply because the concepts become very tricky and out of uh, a you know a, a normal person, regular person's vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. um, so let me let me kind of shift your focus because I think that was an excellent example. What that you just gave, how do you, how are you thinking about this in terms of cybersecurity specifically? Because you talked about the intersection of AI and cybersecurity. And I think right now, a lot of what I'm reading anyway about that particular intersection has to do with how AI may be creating vulnerabilities and then how we can lessen vulnerabilities using AI.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the way to think about this is, is to uh, is to realize that it's not we're not replacing tech with AI. we're replacing intelligence with AI.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you imagine you have a um, here, here's a use case that every uh, security group has inside of a company. You have product teams, engineering teams pumping out uh, products. And they're just like, we have to go live. We have to go live. And then, of course, the C team is like, well, you got to get your security sign off beforehand. So they come over here. They bring their documentation. They upload to the whatever. Once again, we have a pipeline. They have to go through this process to get the green check from security. Now, in the security group, you have some set of people, uh, usually somewhat junior. um, I would say second or third level junior. And their job is to look at all these um, requirement documents. Uh, they're looking at all the product launch. What is the touch? What is the data? Who can access it? What do permissions look like? They're inferring this by looking at the documentation. So I've got a system um, already, already messing with and it's sort of a beta level. I could just drag all that stuff into a directory um, so I have, a, I have a policy for what is allowed and not allowed by the company, mm-hmm. what integrations they think is okay and not okay. Um, so it's like our, our security policy on, on one side, that's also in the directory. I then take uh, this other content, which is what they're proposing to launch. And I can ask it a question, um, should we allow this? Why or why not? And if you say no, give me reasons why not, and um, what would they be able to change so that the answer would be yes? Write this up as a recommendation to the customer.
0: So useful.
1: So now, in 90, seconds, now in 90 seconds, Now in seconds, we've just done what? Uh, multiple hours or maybe a couple of days of work for-, oh, for probably,
0: a, months, probably months, probably months of delay, right?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't get you all the way there. Because the you, this engineer should still review their results and make sure because you still have hallucination issues. But it's going to be, you know, if you do this properly, it's going to be like a 98% solution. And then you're just going through, you're, you're double checking it or whatever. And in in the future, that'll be done by additional AIs as well. But you kind of have to fact check it and make sure it looks right. But now we're talking about be able to process hundreds of these in a week. Instead of, uh, you know, five.
0: <laughs> and, and which is mind-blowing how fast the speed of business can go Yeah. once we set up these systems. So you're the founder of Unsupervised Learning. That's the name of your company, right? Yeah. How? Let's talk a little bit about the entrepreneurship side of what you're doing. You're building products, services. Yes. How big is your company?
1: Small. We got like four or five people.
0: Okay. Um, and you, uh, what's your target? Who's your
1: target customer? Uh, most of our customers right now are just, uh, security companies that I, that I know or deal with, or that hear about us, uh, through the show. Um, so we're not doing like any sort of big marketing campaigns or anything like that. We're building things that we think are useful and we're sort of like very slowly rolling that out. Um, because I'm mostly focused on the building right now because mm-hmm. it's so hot and so exciting um literally I could build a tech stack and then uh you know three weeks later it's kind of obsolete because the better thing came out and I have to I have to rehash and rebuild that the idea doesn't go away the idea I've had for probably 15 years mm-hmm. but it's just like the implementation keeps changing so um there's not like a locked in solid thing um yet that, and that I'm just trying to scale scale and and sell and that sort of thing it's more like build, um, check with myself, and then use with a small number of customers. And and that does generate revenue, but I'm mostly in the creation phase right now.
0: Okay. And on your enjoyment meter, this is the best job of your life? I don't know. (laughs) uh, To me, it sounds amazing.
1: Oh, no, it's absolutely the best. Uh, I highly recommend people make this transition to working uh, for themselves. I mean yeah, this is a this is a bit of a bigger topic. but um there's a Yuval Harari, uh, one of my favorite sort of thinkers. he's actually a historian, but um he talks about there's times and places for things like Christianity,, um, uh communism,, uh, capitalism, and these are tools that are good for humans at a particular point in time. And they simply stop being good at some point. And I actually think one thing that has stopped being good is the idea of we're all workers working for this big corporation. And the corporation either needs us or they don't. So they fire, they hire. It's like this very kind of old school model. Um, I think what we need to be doing is waking up and saying, I love creating banjos. I'm going to make banjos today and people are going to buy my banjos. Right, I -hmm. love helping people with cybersecurity. I'm going to figure out how to do that better, and people are going to buy my services. I mean, I think the natural, purest human form of creativity and happiness is when you're generating things that you really vibe on, and other people vibe on them, and you exchange value.
0: I agree with that so much. I mean, I I, I, look—I'm a founder too of a a software company that is focused in this space, and. Um, I wake up every single day completely energized and ready to solve these problems that people bring to me and and even that I when I use my own software. so I love that I, I want to focus a little bit more though. so the name of your company, unsupervised learning for our listener, why did you choose that name?
1: Yeah, uh, first of all, my partner she she helped me pick the name. um I, I think we were messing with a few options and she's like, yeah, this is the best one. So I got to give her some credit there um. But uh, basically, I love it because it's a play on words. Uh, this name came from 2014. I think we picked it. Um, so unsupervised learning is a type of machine learning where you take, um, you dump in tons of data and it finds patterns. It finds patterns in the data. So that's a big part of the show. It's a big part of like, I guess, my brand or my approach to life or whatever. I'm looking for ways to connect dots to find uh, to find like interesting um, mental models, it, but also just to improve humanity. I, I'm trying to connect all these things together. Um, the other thing about unsupervised learning is that it's kind of like um, it, uh, it kind of like Finnish education, where um, unstructured um, play as learning, right? Instead of like mm-hmm. SAT as learning. So yeah. it's it's a uh, it's both learning without supervision. Um, and also an ML term. So it's got a nice double meaning.
0: Yeah, I I knew it was an ML term just from my time at Clarify. Uh, So I I was really curious. It was sort of a selfish question that I don't normally ask because I I was curious as to why you picked that particular name because I really do. I love it. Now you've started basically back in, I think I read 1999 with a blog and started to publish out do you, what do you think about the longevity of having been on you know, on the internet and, and giving your thoughts to people? and does that benefit you in starting unsupervised learning?
1: It, it really does. Uh, I mean, really, it's just like I, I keep doing more and more, I guess, emotive or true or pure versions. Of what I should should have been doing all along or what mm-hmm. I have been doing all along. But I've been doing it all along, like still with sort of hedged fear and hedged hesitation and and limitation. Cause I'm always working a full-time job. I'm always battling, you know, the nine o'clock meeting where we're talking about planning, but no one's actually going to do the thing we're planning anyway. So it's like, it's like you're kind of, in my opinion, wasting your time in a lot of these jobs. Um, uh, but it's really hard to make the jump, you know, you've made the jump. It it's mm-hmm. really hard. And a lot of people will be like, Why are you doing that? You can get you're so smart, you can get a really, really good job somewhere else. And it's like, doesn't mean I should, you know. So it's like, yeah. um, the theme has been the same from the very beginning. So in the very beginning, I was learning things like TCB dump, and this is like 98. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, I need to learn this, and I would keep forgetting it. So I would write it down for myself. And then I was like, well, I should just put it online since I can reach reach it everywhere. Um, and then people started reading it. They're like, oh, this is the best explanation I've ever read. I'm like, well, I thought so because I'm explaining to myself because I keep forgetting it. Um, <laughs> and so I just kept doing that. And it, so from the very beginning, it was sort of like public sharing of the process of learning. And so in that theme, kind of like it, it endures all the way to today. I'm like learning in public.
0: Yeah, I I really love the learning of public plus the the optimism that you're bringing to the AI community in terms of right now. I, I listened to a podcast actually this morning where they talk about how the media tends to love the doomsday sort of dystopian future that is part of the AI discussion, and yet you're bringing to this podcast and I think generally the more optimistic. You said it yourself, utopian vision where humans get to be creative and the machines do the banal, boring, rote work that we all really hate doing and spend way too much time doing and and frankly, avoid doing, uh, which is why things cause so much delay. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of thanking you versus asking a question, because I, I really do appreciate that positioning. But where does it come from? Um. I'm not sure exactly
1: where it comes from. I'm sure it's multivariate, but um, I don't know. I've just always, I I feel as a security person, like it's very easy for me to see flaws in people and things and systems and just be like, this building could come down. Like it's easy to bypass that security. But um, I love love the idea. um, so, So I have a mission for unsupervised learning, which is to increase eudaimonia on planet Earth. And eudaimonia is one of my favorite names. It's uh, EU is good. This is Greek. So EU is good. And daimon is like soul or center or person. So think happiness, but higher level satisfaction, but higher level, a um, a struggle towards something meaningful that produces deep fulfillment in you, mm. right? Um, and I also like the etymology of security, which I believe is like, sits underneath this eudaimonia security is also a uh combined word se uh in latin is without and cura is worry without worry so once again i'm back to the human it, for me everything is humans like for me mm-hmm. science serves art um tech serves humanity right i happen mm-hmm. to be a nerd so i love all this tech and stuff like that but to me the goal is like getting to a very sort of happy human place. Um, now I could choose to think or believe that that's not going to happen because we're about to destroy ourselves, which is very possible. But I, but um, there's something in the Buddhist mindset where it's like, you can choose what you want to believe. Cause it's also very possible that we, we do head towards something much more utopian. So I have the choice of deciding which one I'm going to embrace and push for and I choose the positive.
0: So if for people who are listening, I did not tee you up for that question, obviously, but it was exactly the way, what I was hoping you would respond with based on uh, all the things I have read that you've put out into the world. And I, I just really wanted to make sure that you talked about that because I a hundred percent agree with you. And perhaps this is a commonality amongst founders where we have that optimistic viewpoint of the future. Um, but I strongly believe that we are trying to, as a species, get, to our, get ourselves to a our more utopian place rather than the dystopian one. And when people ask me questions about AI taking over jobs and doing these very uh, terrible things to humanity, I, I can't help but say, I just don't have that viewpoint. Um, so I appreciate that you, you gave that. I know we're running close to the end of time. I do wanna ask a couple more questions. You talked that you, you mentioned that you read a lot, and I would love for you to give our listeners maybe a favorite cybersecurity or business book or couple uh, that you would recommend.
1: Uh, I honestly don't read a lot of cybersecurity books. I I, I do read a decent amount of um, business books because, uh, on honestly, I I feel like you learn a lot more about cybersecurity by reading business books these days. Uh, it depends where you are in your career. I, I think there's a bunch of really good ones to start with, but um, I, I would say I read things about why things fail. Um, I'm not thinking of ac- any actual. I, I can pull up a list, but I, I read a lot about why things fail or succeed, and I read a lot. Um, I read a lot of biographies of really high performers, or in the sense of um, really high producers over the course of X number of years or their lifetime, they produced a whole lot of valuable work. And mm-hmm. I sort of look at patterns for founders who are really successful or creators who are really successful. And the main lesson that I really love about it is um, so much failure, so much rejection. It's like 90% people telling them that they're stupid, the idea won't work. And once again, it goes back to the optimism. When I hear that, I'm just like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, maybe that's true. On the other hand, I'm like, well, you're still trapped in the in the matrix, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to help you break out uh, to this world of optimism. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, I, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think everyone who's producing in this sort of way in these biographies, you can see that they they repeatedly they do fall on the ground and get depressed but they do get up and dust themselves off and come back stronger. And and I just love that message.
0: I'm, I'm receiving that message loud and clear because so much I have had so much rejection. So uh, it's, it's nice to end the, this podcast on that. Um, if you're listening and you're starting a business and feeling yourself knocked to the ground, it's keep on going. It's, it's worth the journey. So Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Can you please let listeners how know how they can find you?
1: Yeah, so I can be reached at com and uh, Twitter is Daniel Meisler and I have a newsletter called Unsupervised Learning.
0: And if you're listening, I highly recommend you follow Daniel because his content is amazing. Daniel, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, you, if you're listening, you can find all of our blogs in this podcast on Substack and Apple Podcasts at the Security Expert Marketplace. All right, thank Take you, you for having me.